I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny Beatty, and former France international, Benjamin Kayser. And those were some of the sounds of the celebrations in the intro this week after France beat the All Blacks for the first time since 2009. First home win over the All Blacks for 21 years and incredibly a first win over them in Paris since 1973. You were both there. How was it? Uh, it was it was a proper night of rugby, mate. It was a proper night. Um, you know when some when an extraordinary event does not disappoint, when you've been dreaming about it, thinking about it, speaking about it for so so long, and then everything was together. It obviously was produced by French TV and stuff, but so I went to see the guys that I normally work with, and they were buzzing and they were stressing out about the whole thing. And I was joking, so, oh no, don't 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 fuck up the angles. And like, oh, you know, it was everybody knew how tense and how special this thing was. It was ram packed with people. Uh, there was loads of shows and you know little things they brought the world cup I, I, yep. I, I actually and obviously our, our guests can tell us more about it i don't understand where is that from it's not it's not like it's the world cup hoarders yes of course it was maybe a an analogy to the 8th of september 2023 which is going to be the opener okay there's still the the gallagher trophy there's still loads of things so they made a huge deal with it and i think if i'm not mistaken the french actress that uh, was with jerome kano is the the the, the girl who's in james bond Yes. She's pretty massive. And I think whether you're French, French, Kiwi or whatever, and obviously we'll talk about what actually happened later, but I think everybody had a smile on their face at the end. There was tension, there was tries, there was, you know, heroic moments. There was absolutely everything we could have dreamed of. So I think it was even better than I dreamed it was, be, it was going to be. You know, when you finish a game or you're part of something and you feel lucky just to have been there, like it was, it was probably one of those. I've had maybe three as a fan before pressure. I've had a couple of games that I thought that was really cool to be part of, but in terms of in-stadium atmosphere and witnessing something firsthand, like I went as a schoolboy, I watched Scotland beat England in 2000 in like torrential rain and it was madness. I went as a, it was an apprentice player and watched Scotland beat England again in 2007. And like 
that's pretty much the third one on my list is France watching watching France beat New Zealand emphatically and absolutely obliterating them. And almost sort of watching the sort of affirmation of everything we've been talking about, but the arrival of French rugby, which has so much promise and so much talent, smash the All Blacks like I've never seen through my entire rugby career and watching rugby since I was five, six, seven years old. I've never seen them do that. And you rarely see anybody do that. And so for it to happen in Paris, like you said, like Tim, the, the stats and the things that they've done are utterly ridiculous. The way they, they led them by 18 points at halftime, first one since 1973. Last time they beat them in France was in 2000, I think. It was like La Maison was the hero. I remember watching it, T2 La Maison was the hero. So to have been there and sort of witnessed firsthand the manner in which they demolished them was phenomenal from a rugby perspective. And then from the sort of wider, what does everyone think? Like taking my kids to school this morning, the postman coming to chat, everybody's just pumped. Like French rugby's back. There's this new generation of kids that have promised so much, under 20s winners, now in, and they can take on anybody. And it's really cool just to have them. As a, as a neutral, obviously I'm biased because I love my French rugby here for a long time, but I think for neutral and for world rugby, having French rugby back where it is now is just phenomenal. And it was just incredible to watch. Really lucky to have been there. We'll come on to the game in a minute, but you mentioned the tension before the game, Benji, from everyone in the stadium. Was there an enormous release afterwards? What was Paris like? Was it, Have you seen it like that recently? It's random, really, because I think it's what on Johnny touched on. It's not so much the relief of... It's, it, there was no title to it, right? It's not like a World Cup final, no. you win or you lose, whatever. But it's, it's confirming how good we potentially can be. It's confirming that we're allowed to dream. It's confirming that we're, we're we're still sort of relatively lucid enough, or actually not na- not too naive, to to dream on something that's just completely f- fake and pull out of nowhere. Let's face it, we love those boys, we, we we love that team, we love the new staff, we love everything they've promised, but they've won f- they've won nothing so far. They've tripped over the carpet a couple of times. Uh, England in England, yeah, it wasn't far and stuff like that. The last Scotland game, mate. You know, we're going to beat them by bonus points. We end up losing last minute because we forget to kick it out. So we're still the champions of promising when sometimes just not delivering just, just yet. But this is the first massive statement. It's the first time you can actually say we're really allowed to dream. And so that's why it was special. So there's just even more excitement, people getting even more buzzing around it. I mean, the, the, the numbers of viewers in, in French TV are getting better and better because they did properly drop. That's the reality of what French rugby was for the last 10 years. I think there's about 10% less uh, licenciés, uh, members, uh, license holders. There's a lot less new people watching it on TV because at some point you don't want to, you know, see shit, shit games. And on top of that, your, your, your favorite team lose. So the, the excitement is there. It's just been confirmed by this proper performance. Um, and there's a general smile on all the rugby lovers' faces saying, they're back. There's more to come. And you two were in the thick of it afterwards get a lot of sleep and it was a double celebration as well johnny your birthday on Sunday. exactly ben, ben did you get you a candle or oh me a big fat sparkler he did actually he did get <laughs> me a candle did. really happy with that he got his song and everything but we had a really nice time it was late but i think like everyone was so caught up in it and wanted to party and celebrate so we what do we do we nipped up the hospitality and benji snuck us in the back door into a big hospitality um one of the suites which was awesome caught with a few year old mates matthew bastro lovely guy again i'd spent Next to no time in his company, um, but what a gent, really nice boy and really nice to connect with him. Went from there into town. There was a few espresso martinis being chucked down, uh, some candles, some sparklers, some happy birthdays. I don't know what time you finished exactly. I, I got back about six, half six. My alarm went off at half seven and <laughs> back down the road. But again, we got to f- sort of finish off and celebrate. There were so many French faces from club rugby and from international rugby of the past that I hadn't seen in years as well because of COVID. It's like Remy Lamarat. 
uh, from a time of cast. Again, an amazing guy, Antoine Dupont. We got bought with them, the Aldrit brothers, all three of them. And again, they just absolutely loving life. Nothing too crazy, but just caught up in a little bit of what they'd done, I think, and how proud they were, which was really, really cool. And yeah, just a great weekend. It really was a great weekend and good to celebrate in a decent manner. A good kick of it and have some fun, then get back down the road. Absolutely burst. The next day, my wife had organized 25 people to come around the house, which hurt a little bit um, because it was my boy's joint birthday because he came on my, on my birthday. So celebrated his first, made it through the day, got everyone out of the house and got a good night's sleep. Um, but mate, great day, great weekend, great birthday and good to celebrate properly in Paris. It was cool. For me, it's the highlight of, of sorry, of after your birthday, obviously, Jenny, <laughs> after, after singing it for you. But so we did get a catch with, with the French boys in a, in a nice place and stuff. And I was just so happy to see them all together. And I just realized that there's, there's a lot of them I barely know. Antoine Dupont, uh, Jalibert and Tamak never played with them, played against them a couple of games. I was probably the old fart. So I chased them. I was barely giving them a two-handed touch. You know, there was nothing. But but, but Romain Tao, Gaël Ficou, Brice Dulin, who was the, being called up. And so I played quite a lot with them. And so I was chatting to them and all three of them was like, mate, you could not realize how different it is. They're like, you can't even begin to grasp, to understand how things are different. And because I was telling them, you know, we feel like I'm, I'm so proud of you and I'm, I'm so proud of all of them. And you give us a lot of love. And, you know, I feel that because we share that jersey and stuff, I've, I've got nothing in that performance, obviously. But because you sell that jersey, their no victories are my victory. You know, that's that's how it is. And um, and he's like, you can't begin to understand how different uh, things are. We used to like each other. These boys love each other. There's like an absolute brotherhood. You can say that, can't you? Yeah, hundred percent. Even guys who didn't really know each other, something has clicked in that team, and that's what really, really made me happy to hear. Because it's down to it's down to a bit of love, yes, for the jersey, okay, but love for each other. Um, they've got a huge amount of respect for all of them. Charles Olivon is still very, very close to to all of them, obviously. So there's, he's definitely not left behind. Um, there's, there's, they was talking to me about, you know, one of the, apparently one of the king of, of a group is Mohamed Awas. Like you want them to have it. Apparently he just puts a smile on your face all the time. He's one of those guys, you know, that just sort of glue a team and he wasn't picked for that game and he could have been pissed off and he apparently helped all the way along and he was 25th man and did the scrums with them before and he's the first cheerleader. You know, you need those, those boys in there. And when you think about World Cup, when things are going to get really tense, really complicated, when they only would be able to count on themselves inside that circle, look each other in the eye and that's all that matters. Uh, it's going to be key. So I love that. And then they were also saying about how much of a learning environment it's become. So let's face it, 10 years ago, if you were a French player, you would come, maybe not international level, but definitely at club level. If you would come half an hour before training to do some extra drills, you were ETAS. You were a suck up. You were a front of row or a front row of the class, you know, um, who, who were a bit of a geek. If you stayed at the end to do extras and stuff, it was it could have been seen the same. And then the All Blacks would rock up and the, the guys who played in our clubs and would do that. And then it was fine because you're with Christmas Oi, because you're with X, Y, and Z, you know, and that's how it happened. And now there's this culture of constantly learning. Guys coming up with their new drills, their new stuff. There's no judgment on it. Uh, I just thought as, as a detail, obviously it's a, it's a detail, but I, I caught this. That's why I asked him. The president, Emmanuel Macron, came to see them in Marcoussi during the week. I've been there when the politicians or big people come. Arsène Wenger came to see us in 2015. 
loads of probably the president once or twice whatever you obviously don't speak to them you shake their hands <laughs> then you go sit down he said he had lunch with the Quince de France there's 70 people in the room there's 750 bodyguards behind the door he obviously sits next to the coach you, you barely speak to him Thierry Dussotard probably spoke a little bit to them you know because he was the captain okay but we don't and apparently then they asked Emmanuel Macron to stay and at the end they went in a private room and he was talking about all his toughest moments how did he get out of tricky situations what did he learn from us so there's a real learning moment let's take this incredible human being whether you like him or not in terms of what he's living at the moment and learn from it Jean Dujardin the actor you know the guy who had the Oscar for um, yes. for the what's it called the, the movie with the dog where he's um, he, um, it's um, how you say that? there's no speaking movie uh, the black and white one the, the artist the artist yes, that's sir. what it's called and he plays around with that dog and stuff and stuff and legendary performance and apparently they were asking him you know again what did you learn you know there was a real exchange of of experiences and stuff and that's just a clever thing 10 years ago mate <laughs> i don't think you would have seen an actor and a politician start to speak to rugby players who probably were cross-eyed when as soon as you were thinking you know going more than one plus one equals three so i was just chuffed to see that they love each other they're constantly trying to learn they really believe in what they're doing which means it's sustainable. It doesn't mean that we're going to be world champions. Don't get me wrong. There's still far a huge amount of running to get there, but we're allowed to dream. We are. We're genuinely allowed to dream. And it's a happy place, mate. That that's the difference. So watching you play for the French team and my mates that I would play with at Montpellier, Cast, and by on going to meet up with the French team, it was a difficult place to be oh, part. Yeah. It was a difficult difficult team to be part of in a difficult environment. It was dark. Exactly. It was dark because it wasn't organized. It wasn't coached properly. And, and you looked bad or you felt like you were letting people down because there's so much promise and so much talent, but the end result wasn't quite there and it looked difficult. Um, whereas now you see these guys properly coached, properly organized, fit, innovative, and having the time of their lives. There's no better feeling than winning for your country. And that's what they're doing now. They're living their dream. And I think for the past 10 to 15 years for the French national team, it hasn't been a dream and it hasn't been easy. So to see them now, enjoying it and then speaking to them afterwards and seeing how much they're enjoying it firsthand and also not letting it go to their heads like totally humble normal lovely blokes that was the thing you chat to greg aldrich you chat to anton dupont just normal nice fellas you know that they're not arseholes it's not going to go to their heads they're going to go back and graft and continue to have this winning feeling and that buzz which is what's been missing for so long and it's so cool to see them have it back it's awesome and just quickly before we get onto a few details of the game you were both commentating on saturday night and I think there's something we should clear up before we go any further, because we've had a few comments. Some of the noises you two were making in commentary, you were getting very excited, weren't you? Is that as excited as you've been for a long time? I, mean, I completely lost it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I completely went berserk. Like I got to text my wife at halftime and stuff. I don't look at it during the game, but halftime I'll have a look. And she's like, stop fapping, screaming. That's all we can hear. Because you know you have your, those stand-up mics and stuff. I put them on the floor. You, then you put them down so that you, you know once you get it, that means you want to say something and stuff. And Conor McMamara obviously was sitting next to me. They made the big mistake of having me in the middle. <laughs> there was Paul Grayson to my right, him to my left. And so I was screaming all over. I couldn't help myself, man. It was really tense. It was really uh, up there. There's some incredible moments of rugby, some big old hits. Bloody yes. hell. Anthony Gelon and, and, and Francois Croz and Cameron Vauquier, they were busy, mate. Very, very busy chopping everything that possibly could, you know, get in front of them. There's some incredible moments. And then so it's true that I, get, I was getting a bit overexcited, but mate, they were loving it. So like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. The only thing that I'll give you the little thing where I went a little bit overboard is when Ardi Savia takes his yellow, it really pissed me off because that's properly cynical. He's like laying on the floor and that, that try would have killed them because we were at that time, I think it's around what, the 60th minute, 50 
58th or something like that. They were bouncing back. You know? I was really pooping my pants because they were doing better because our bench hadn't come on yet or at least um, hadn't been so impactful. You know, it was just getting it. I was like, please don't tell me we're going to let that one, you know, slip out of our fingers. And just when he, he did that foul, obviously, you know, you let the play keep on going. The yellow wasn't there, but I didn't know that the ref at the time was like, yeah, it's definitely yellow. And so I hit with my hands on the table. I smashed uh, Conor Mazar's computer, who was there with all his notes and all that. <laughs> in the middle, he's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, back at it. So I almost cost like a, a power cut to the middle of the thing. But it's my, it's, it's, it's all down to to emotions and to to raw happiness to follow this thing. But it's true. It's the first time that I was following it, like like the eighty five thousand people that were in there, hundred percent. And Johnny, you're an adopted Frenchman. Just before that yellow card. Enter Mac makes a break from his own in goal area. The oh, clip mate. everyone's seen millions Viral. of times on social media. You in the background. I know. Sound like I'm some sort of orgasm and <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> but mate, it is emotions like Benji's hit it. Like it doesn't matter. You're like rugby can move you. It's really weird. But when you see those types of things and types of performances and the way they bought in and scrapped, and look, there's different ways of beating teams, but they essentially just wanted it more. And I, it used to really annoy me when coaches would say, oh, like the opposition want it. Well, like, no, there's so much more to it. But raw emotion, power, strength, and a bit of organization. And they just obliterated their opposition. And like that Intimac moment was symbolic for me in that like those types of events don't happen very often. And that, that confidence and belief in your own ability to, to try those things. And that is a real symbol of where the side is. Look, that was just, it reminded me again, it was like watching, like when I was a kid, it's like watching Berbizier start an action behind his posts and San Andre finishing an action against England in 1991, whatever. Like, is that type of French flair and the belief in French rugby that everybody's a neutral loves to see? And that was what that moment was. Um, so yes, on commentary, we may have all signed it absolutely ridiculous, but it's because we were pumped and maybe neutrality slipped a little bit, but it was insane. It was just incredible rugby to watch. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Right, let's get an all-black perspective on the game at the weekend now then. And he had a very good excuse for missing the show last week because he was busy on the red carpet at the Oscars of French rugby. But he's here now, two-time World Cup winner and current member of the Toulouse coaching staff, Jerome Kano joins us. How are you, Jerome? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on again. It's very good to have you back. And Benji hasn't stopped smiling since Saturday night. So we <laughs> will get on onto the game very soon. But I think... Um, your invites got lost in the post, didn't they, Benji, Johnny? No invites to the Oscars. So, how was it last week? Oh, it was awesome. It was um, it was good to to see all the guys getting guys and girls get recognised uh, for the awesome seasons that they've had. But also a double up. It was a reunion for the the French uh, All Blacks 2011 uh, World Cup final. So it was good to see a lot of uh, old uh, adversaries and um, adversaries. I mean. Um, and uh, to see, see the older players, old legends that uh, we used to go up, go to war against. And um, you're getting used to being 
suited and booted because you were there on Saturday looking very smart and um, mixing it with the big boys, not that used to. You were there with Neymar <laughs> and all sorts, weren't you? Man, me and uh, Fufu from uh, Montpellier were uh, sitting there watching the game and uh, we happened to glance over where the, the passage of play was happening. We looked over and Neymar was just sitting a couple of seats away from us and we were like, what? We need to head over and try and take a photo. So at half time, he, he shot into the box and we... We squeezed into the box and managed to get a photo of him. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't say rubbing shoulders with him. It was just the right place at the right time. So mate, if that's right place at the right time, how did you manage to get a PSG shirt signed? Were you just carrying that in your backpack by chance? <laughs> how did that happen? No, my my, my wife, uh, she uh, gave my secret out on social media. I, uh, <laughs> I, found, I found out that morning that he was going to try and make it after his PS, uh, PSG game. So uh, I thought if he's floating around where we're sitting, I might as well try and get my son's uh, PSG um, top and take it. Hopefully, if I run into him, I've got it there to get signed. Mate, that's proper French flair getting to you. Well done, mate. <laughs> that's, that's proper. Take your Mathieu Bastard that you were hanging around and I'll raise you a Neymar. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and you were, I mean, hang on, you 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 came in so shoulder to shoulder for for, for, the, for that one to bring the World Cup trophy that you obviously you know pretty well uh, with an extraordinary uh, famous actress who was only in um, in the last James Bond movie. So you're looking out for for ro- movie royalty. No man, I was uh, I was lucky to get that gig. Um, obviously, Dan Carter couldn't get out of uh, New Zealand because <laughs> of COVID and. Uh, Ches and Colby's probably um, nursing an injury in South Africa or, or in Toulon somewhere, so uh, that settled for me. But um, man, to be involved with an iconic uh, brand for an iconic event that's going to be in France in 2023, it was incredible. Yeah, it was the start of an awesome, awesome event. Did you have a word while you were taking the trophy out? Because Johnny's already must have. Johnny's had 100 euros on you to be the next James Bond, I think. Daniel Craig's finished, mate. Tell me you're going to step up. She's saying, look, come and have a word of the directors. Come on. I'll get you. No way. No. Yes, mate. I'm probably not like you guys, but uh, for rugby players, uh, the last thing I want to do is hop in front of the camera and the press conferences <laughs> and the media days. Those are, those are the dark side of the job that um, most rugby players don't tend to like. So if, it's, uh, if it means me getting in front of another camera, that's uh, no probably the last thing on the list for me and i can't act to save myself it's <laughs> maybe you instead then benji eh? <laughs> oh yes. mate no chance no chance but definitely just even you know being being as close don't forget about lifting the trophy but even being as close to that one uh, that would have been good but again listen it's it's the only date that i remember 8th of september 2023 france all blacks world cup winner I think whether you're, you're from France or anywhere in the world, everybody wants to see that game. So that was just a repetition for it. They bring the trophy. They want to show the hype about it. I think, honestly, all of NZ can't wait to even to come to France, to travel France, to live the moment, you know, to, li- to live that thing. It's, it just ticks so many boxes. That, that's, that's what whole Saturday night was about. Uh, I think, like you said, for everyone's thinking about that date in 2023, but uh, bring it forward, I think uh, the French team, they marked November 20 this year. I think they've marked it for a long time and you saw how they performed and uh, and it just added to the atmosphere. Um, the, they, they really stepped up and I'm sure they marked that, that date on Saturday for a while and um, yeah, they were hungry for it. We're going to speak about Intermax stuff. We're going to speak about Dupont, how good he is in support lines and stuff. But I want to ask you because you see him every day. Mm. I was blown away by Anthony Gelon. 
I can't understand how hard this guy can hit and get back yeah. up and keep on going and all again. And obviously there's likes of you, there's Thierry de Sautoir before in Toulouse, but bloody hell, he is stepping up to the mark. And for me, that was his recognition of saying, you know, Juan Smith, you know, Sam Underhill, you know, Tom Curry. Well, I've got nothing to fear. He is, that, for me, I think yeah. he is that good now. He made eight minutes of putting shots left, right, and center. I, I hope he's not getting injured because bloody hell, he doesn't look after his body, man. He's just throwing his head absolutely everywhere. But how impressed were you with, with, with this guy? And on top of that, because you see him every day. And don't forget, his mate Francois Cross is one hell of a mm. player. Don't get me wrong. But I just think in terms of intensity in the tackle, wow, he is a hard hitter. Yeah, I was impressed with the whole pack, the whole French pack in the weekend. And um, Anthony and, and Francois, well, they, were, they were doing all the dirty stuff, all the, the hidden stuff. But also, whenever Romain or Antoine kicked the ball, those two would be leading the lineup, just uh, looking for someone to hit. And um, yeah, as you said, uh, Jalanche, he was incredible. Um, doesn't really show too much uh, emotion like his mate uh, Antoine Dupont. But, um, mate, he'll get up and uh, hit you twice as hard uh, in the 80th minute. Uh, he just keeps going and going. And I was really impressed with the way they played in the weekend. It was, yeah, just uh, seemed to have that glue and uh, that drive to be able to just uh, knock everything in white uh, over. Unfortunate for me. Nah, deep down, you love it. Deep down, you love it just a little bit. <laughs> Do you think they were taken aback? Because as it's not like they would have underestimated France in any way, shape or form, but... They've never trailed by 18 points in the break. And it was a hell of a wave coming at them in that first half. France have started well in lots of games under Fabien Galtier, but that was something next level. Yeah, no, without a doubt, they were, I think uh, the intensity that the French team brought in the first 20 minutes was incredible. And yeah, I think they were taken aback from it. Though I don't think they would have ever um, underestimated the French team or playing at start of France, knowing the history of how they prepare and how... How we always uh, prepare to play a game here in France, here in Paris, it's uh, you know, that never would have been in their thinking and their preparation. But uh, no matter how well you prepare, that start that the French team started with, uh, I don't think any every any team would have been blown blown away by that uh, that intensity that they brought. So you obviously weren't surprised, Jerome, but in terms of overall performances and where this French team has gone to, and I've had 20 games under Fabian Galtier, would you say that's now a confirmation of a French team at level that we haven't seen for the past 10, 15 years? They've kicked on, they've had different performances and different levels, but that for me was a real confirmation of this new arrival mm. and generation that you work with at Toulouse, with Roman, with Antoine, with Anthony, who like we all know are exceptional, but maybe outside, outside the top 14, people don't really know, but that's the first massive win on a world stage against a team like the All Blacks, is that now a big sign to the rest of the rugby world that French rugby is back and it's here? Yeah, without a doubt. I've, I wasn't surprised by the performance because they've, they've been building for the last uh, couple of years. They've, they've put in some awesome performances in the Six Nations. Uh, I think for me, that was the, probably the most complete 80-minute performance that I've seen them um, put together. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's uh, just confirmation that these young young keen enthusiastic uh, players are, are world class now and as someone who was not too shabby in defence and he was making his way in the coaching world Johnny mentioned Fabian Galtier but how big a difference has Sean Edwards made to this France team sure yeah you've seen the obviously with his uh, impact that he's had uh, in terms of how how aggressive the the French D-line is they've always they've always been big hitters they've always been big men but just uh just to see the hunger for the, to get up for your mate uh, for the full 80 
I think uh, he's made a huge difference. But uh, alongside uh, Sean Edwards, I think um, William Servat's made a huge impact in terms of how aggressive they are around the, the breakdown and um, with, with ball in hand. I think they've been really ruthless there and we saw it on Saturday nights. Anyone that went near their breakdown ball, they were getting, they were getting smoked. And uh, I think uh, Sean Edwards and uh, William Servat had made a huge impact. And Benji touched on it a little bit earlier on as well. The foreign influence in the top 14, you were saying, Benji, the culture that that's created has, has changed it for a lot of these young French players. So people like Jerome coming over have had a big influence, haven't they? A hundred percent, mate. I was, I was taking the example that t- 10, 15 years ago when I started, if you would do, be doing extras before the game, after the game, honestly, it was like you would be taken for the kiss ass, for the guy who mm-hmm. wants you know to rub the coach the right way to get into the team. It was really that type of mentality. French rugby is about stepping up, being the tough guy who you know would smash everything at the weekend, smoke a pack of fags, and that's how you prove you prove that you would step up. And then all of a sudden, I mean, ask the, the Toulouse boys would definitely tell you, but Byron Kelleher, not perfect, but a big trainer, and they always you know get things out of him, and then he was the first one to introduce I don't know ice bath recovery and all that stuff i was at cask with with massey with christmas Oe. and obviously it's it's not again about you know what you drink what you not drink but bloody hell he trained hard and he always did extras and he would pull people pull guys with him and stuff so when he did it well he would say okay right fine i'll do it with you you know and he just put that mentality in there it's, not, it's just about work 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 with a big smile on your face do some extra drills some passing some throwing some techniques some whatever it is and that really is pushed and i was speaking to the boys after the game the french boys and they were saying two things for one they love each other and on top of that, Fabien Galtier and, and his staff, obviously, and you mentioned all the guys, William Servat and Karim Gezal for the line-out and Laurent Labitte and Sean Edwards and all those. And they've brought a mindset of constantly looking to improve themselves in anything you do. And if you need to think outside the box, so be it. When I arrived at Toulouse, I think that culture in terms of extras and uh, looking to be the best was always there. It was, it was there when not before I arrived. So uh, I, I think uh, these younger Boys had been coached in the right direction in terms of how to improve and how to, how to get better. I think it was just more of a consistency because it's such a long season. The, the younger players just finding their motivation to, to keep their consistency in terms of extras and stuff. But I was blown away when I arrived at Toulouse and also in the top 14, just how young the players were and how nonchalant they were in terms of playing under pressure. So for me, it was, uh, it was a pleasure to come and just witness... Um, a lot of these players and play a part in seeing them rise to the international stage. And, and now they've arrived and um, man, it's going to be an exciting couple of years leading into the World Cup. And given your role at the moment, Jerome, and you see them every day, did any of them tap you up for a bit of special advice ahead of the New Zealand game or not? No, 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 no. They were, they, they just kept talking about uh, how, how excited they were to, to hopefully be picked for that team, uh, that, that game. And I always knew Antoine was going to be there, but the other younger guys like Thibaut Flamant and uh, Cyril Bay, they were always, um, and, uh, always talking about how excited they were. And, and from them talking like that, I knew that uh, that French camp had uh, penciled in that, that uh, date on the weekend. And uh, I knew there was going to be a b- big performance brewing. And you mentioned the big man, well, big man, the little man with the big performances. You mentioned Antoine, and he's obviously he's up against Toje, Hooper, and Karevi. For me, he's hands down. There's there's no real other choice. He should be the world player of the year. But in your view, working with him day in day out and having played with him, your view? I mean, you think he's going to win this award? Because surely now after that performance, which was phenomenal, he's got to be the man. Yeah, it's a no brainer. Like uh, was it Bruno Driscoll who put a yeah. 
uh, tweet out that, uh, yeah, it's uh, unanimous for me. Uh, it should be a no-brainer with how consistent, uh, consistent he's been, not only at club level, but uh, on the international stage, he's just been incredible. And um, he's the kind of person that kind of hates people talking about him and yeah. and hates the, the media attention. I saw him today, this morning, and uh, he refused to talk about the game. He just said it was an awesome night and uh, awesome atmosphere. But apart from that, didn't really want to rub it in too much, which was, uh, was a good change for, for, <laughs> <laughs> for a Monday morning. But um, yeah, he would hate me saying this, but uh, definitely he'll be my pick and uh, should be a no-brainer, really. And he's obviously been the captain this autumn as well. Is he a guy who leads by example then he's not he's not one who'll give it a lot of chat is he does he lead by example or is he a good communicator dragging players around yeah he's he's naturally a quite a reserved uh kid really humble doesn't really speak out too much but uh, when he's led the Toulouse team uh, he's been really outspoken uh brings the guys in and uh speaks when he has to speak um but uh yeah I'd say he's he's one that likes to lead with his actions he just gets out there and, and does what he does for the team but um yeah I'll when he when he has led the team this year, it's uh, I've been pretty uh, really impressed with the way he's uh, been quite vocal, which is uh, I would say not his natural uh, instinct or in his uh, natural character. Is Antoine Dupont going to remain captain? I don't know, mate. I th- I f- I, I, and honestly, I can care less because because <laughs> he's done so well that there's nothing better in the team. I always hear, oh, you need a leadership group. There's nothing better in a team when you have 15 leaders where everybody will drive everybody in a different way. That doesn't mean you need everybody, like you said, to have a big mouth and tell everybody what to do. But everybody's driving the collective performance. It's such a good problem to know. There's nothing, there's nothing better than having too many leaders. There's nothing better with more than one guy being able to lead the show. So I couldn't care less if he's going to keep it and if he keeps it that means he's the best guy for the man for the job and, and so be it the scary thing about uh what they've created is they've created this depth pool of players that uh aren't in this french squad who could easily slot in there and, and do a world-class job so you spoke about charles olivon and um you know with the loose forwards that are performing that performed on the weekend and then you've got, uh, you look at the hooker, you've got Julien Marchand, you've got uh, Bugarit, who, who was, who was there in the weekend. Those guys could... There's Vakatawa. Uh, Vakatawa as well. Vakatawa is not there. And then you look at the nines, you've got um, Baptiste Soran, who, yeah. who's uh, injured as well. So uh, the scary thing is, is for the world is the message that the French team put out there on Saturday, but still have a depth, of, uh, a pool of players that they could select who could easily do a similar job. And weirdly, not from the horse's mouth itself, but like I got the plane down with Charles Olivon from Paris down to Biarritz. Again, we chatted about it and he was just like, mate, it doesn't matter. Like he's doing his rehab, looking forward to getting back and playing, but he's like, look at the team, look at how they're performing, look at the team spirit, look at how much fun it is. Like, it's not even something that came up in conversation. And I don't think he would care. The same as Antoine Dupont wouldn't care, the same way Julien Marchand would not care. It's a symbolic armband, but ultimately they just proved, like you said, Jerome, at the weekend, like they're back with a bang buzzing and it doesn't matter and from an all black perspective now are they getting some stick back home or is it just a case of this is the end of the longest season ever complicating circumstances with covid and we need a break and we'll come back stronger next year or how is it being viewed yeah i've seen on some of the the comment sections that uh, they are getting a bit of a bit of stick but uh you take those comments with a grain of salt um 
Yeah, oh, I'm really proud of the way these uh, the, these young boys, uh, the team, have um, carried themselves throughout. I think it was a 14 week um, mental tour because of COVID, but I, I think it was uh, it was a good thing uh, that they were able to get in there, but try new things as well. But um, I just think they looked tired in the weekend. They uh, looked lethargic, and um, who was I was speaking to Clem Potrino today. Um, at training, and he said it's similar to when he used to tour at the end of a long French season. You get a tour to New Zealand where it's cold, and uh, you lose the first two games, and then you know the last one, the guys are just like, "Man, uh, I just want to just want to play this as best as possible, and then just get home and have a rest." But um, yeah, I'm not not making excuses for for the All Blacks' loss, but because the French team didn't allow them to play play the way they wanted to play. But yeah, it's just for me, it just seemed like the boys were um, a little bit fatigued from travelling, being stuck in a bubble for 14 weeks. And then you come up against a hungry, uh, ferocious French team, which uh, just added to it. And it's not been a bad season. <laughs> they lost a couple of games at the end, but they won the rugby championship. Generally, the All Blacks had a, a decent year. Johnny mentioned the World Player of the Year nominations earlier on. Are you surprised? No All Blacks and they won the rugby championship. Mm. No South Africans, they beat the Lions. Are you surprised that maybe there isn't some recognition there? I think the only one that I would have put in there was... Um... Adi Severe, I think he's been phenomenal for the All Blacks, but I'm not going to argue against the the nominations that they've got because those guys have been incredible. If anyone, I would have put Adi Severe, but yeah, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with who who they've selected because those guys have been world class uh, for the last couple of years. And there's a lot of talk at the moment, of course, after this weekend about a shift in power from the Southern Hemisphere to the Northern Hemisphere. I'm guessing that'll just motivate the All Blacks even further ahead of next year and the World Cup in a couple of years' time? No, I think rightly so. I think uh, the Six Nations have been um, really competitive and uh, the teams have been putting out some solid uh, solid performances and results. And I think the weekend just confirmed that that uh, the Northern Hemisphere teams are, are kind of setting the standard at the moment. And um, I think uh, the only thing that will make it better is if the Southern Hemisphere teams tour here more often. Yeah, I'd like to see another All Black... Uh, French game next November to try and make things more interesting for 2023. But um, yeah. So you can hang out with the Bond chicks again, John. Come on, <laughs> mate. This is desperation. <laughs> you read through that message. Mate, by that time you'll be Bond. Don't worry. Yeah. We've sent the feelers out. It'll be done. Um, mate, I want to really quick, you ask about one of the boys who I was really impressed with the weekend. Um, I'm not sure if you played against him or not when he was, at, yeah, you would have when he was at Bordeaux, but Cameron Walkie, who normally plays back row, yeah. but stepped up again, playing loose head lock, and for me, was absolutely phenomenal. Like you've got that power we talked about, Jelange, Aldra in the back row, who were freakishly good. Yeah. Cameron Walkie is another guy for me who stood out for different reasons, combines that rangy, leggy pace that he has with aerial ability, disruption at line at time, and an all-round athlete. He's another one for me. I want to ask you how I think you good he, he can be. I always knew he was going to be a good player. I, my first year, 2018-2019, we played in Bordeaux, and um, they were blowing us away in the first half, and we were trailing 30 points to five at halftime. And uh, he was the reason why they were they were smoking us. He was uh, winning the contact, running out wide. And and um, I'd kind of seen him briefly in the under-20s a year before that. And um, I knew he was a special player, but when I played against him, uh, against Bordeaux, he was uh, incredible. And uh, always kept a close eye on uh, how he's developed and how he's been going. But uh, I think he's an awesome number six um, flanker. But what he showed in the weekend, he just added the strength to his bow and 
man, he was impressive, uh, solid, and uh, formed a great partnership with um, Willemsa. So, um, yeah, I've been really impressed with him, and uh, I think he'll be on the international stage for a while. And we haven't really mentioned Roman Entomac yet. That was a statement performance by him. Obviously, he was in tandem with Matthew Jalibert before the All Black game this autumn. Fabian changed it. You know him well, and you've played with a lot of good tens. How good is he, and does he care where he plays? I haven't really had that conversation with him, but, um, yeah, I was... Uh, Really happy with him, um, really happy for him that he had their game. Obviously, there was a big debate uh, leading in and um, just his combination with Antoine, just uh, controlling everything and how, man, that run out of his try line to put Jaminé um, uh, into space was incredible. Um, but so just the way he controlled the game, um, drove the team around was, uh, was incredible and I'm really happy for him the way he was able to put out a performance like that. And yeah, I don't think uh, he minds either 10 or 12, but um, the way he played in the weekend, I'm sure 10s is, uh, is preferred. You talk about it with a lot of pride because you know these guys well. Was, was there any divided loyalties at the weekend? Well, not really. Um, oh, obviously, my heart, my heart is uh, black, but I was just... Uh, I was always there to support the guys that I, I know really closely. And yeah, just being here in France and uh, experiencing the French life, French uh, French rugby, it was, it was, for me, it was just good to sit back and just be a spectator. Not really anyone that has to pick a side, just to enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the event. And um, although I was disappointed as a as an All Black supporter, but uh, just really happy with the, with the way the French team were able to perform for the public and um, uh, for themselves, really. And it's been pretty much a year since we had you last on and you've now become Coach Kano. So <laughs> how, how's the transition been? Are you enjoying it now on the, another side of the, the whitewash and, and getting to lead that group of men at Toulouse? Are you enjoying the challenge? Man, I'm really enjoying it. Um, uh, learning lots. It's, um, it's a real uh, mind shift change when you, when you shift over because um, you always have to think about uh, 30 other players or 50 other players in my case. But um where when I was playing, you just worry about yourself, what you need to do to be the best on the weekend, and and that was it. But to now, you have to worry about in terms of uh, monitoring certain players, uh, how you approach a certain player to get the best out of them. So for me, it's a huge learning process, but uh, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, my French needs to improve a little bit to, to get the most out of the Espoir boys, but um, it'll get there. Are you missing playing, or are you, are you quite happy to be done? Oh, no. I see some of the contacts in the top 14. Exactly. And also, I saw that in the weekend. I'm, I'm glad I'm not over the other side of the white lines. It's Some of the contacts and the collisions are brutal. And I'm happy waking up on a Sunday, being able to walk normally instead of a 60-year-old man. Would you miss training against Anthony Jalon? Nah, he humiliated humili- <laughs> I told you, he, he humiliated me in his first pre-season at Cast as well, because... I'm there, old duffer, training with, it was Matthew Babio and Anthony Jalonche. And, and these kids, like, I'm trying to chase them around a 400-meter track. Like They were so far ahead of me athletically. So, no, I don't miss it. But I find it amazing how everyone you speak to, you get caught in pro rugby and you get used to tackling and condition your body and it's just the norm. As soon as everyone's done and they watch it on TV and they're not part of it, they're like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. When you step back and see actually what everyone does to their bodies and the contacts and the collisions, you just you just think, so glad to be finished. And like you said, so glad you can walk properly or you can get down on the floor and play with your kids and all that stuff. You get a bit more energy, so you're a bit more present at home. 
I had to I had to run a drill uh, a couple of months ago, and um, I had to, we didn't have enough numbers to hold the pads, so I had to for a rupture I had to hold the pads, and they had to clean me out. And I saw Cyril Bay and Anthony Jalanch coming for me. Before I knew it, my legs were over my head, and I was <laughs> I was two meters back. So after that, I was like, "Yep, someone else can hold the pads after this. Don't miss it." And we've got to ask you about the end of last season as well. We had Joe Takori on. We've had a few other Toulouse boys on talking about the celebrations. You won the lot. You were carried off on everyone's shoulders. How special was that to end your career and a glittering career? Where does that rank, winning the double with Toulouse? Where does that rank in the list of all the achievements? Man, it's, uh, it was definitely up there. It's um, right up the top there. It was uh, special with this group of guys. I never really imagined myself... Uh, finishing like that with a, a European and a top 14 but uh, to be able to do that and uh, with a was such a awesome group it was, it was special um, I really felt for uh, my mate um, Johan Uge who couldn't finish on his terms and, and get out there and play but I'm just glad that we were able to do the job to, uh, to be able to celebrate with them together so yeah for me I felt, felt quite lucky and it was a really special way to go out well, thanks ever so much for coming on the show again, Jerome, and sharing your insight with us. Um, good luck with the coaching or becoming James Bond, whichever. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Cheers, Jerome. Cheers, guys. Cheers, so. Take care, mate. Thanks, Jesus. Total legend. And him talking about how he's going to have to learn how to get the best out of other people. Mate, he's such an emotionally intelligent, articulate decent bloke and he's been a leader throughout his entire career so he'll be absolutely awesome as a coach like even the way he was mentioning Uge at the end like not actually about him going out but feeling bad about the books around him that weren't able to celebrate and be part of it he's just a legend he's a monster and you can see how much a the all black rugby public loved him outside the stadium when they got a glimpse of him at the weekend but the French rugby public as well how much they appreciate him how, much, how well the coaches how highly the regard they hold him in like he's just a machine and a really nice bloke so great to have him on and he was he was having none of being an adopted Frenchman like you Johnny no divided loyalty he is mate but I mean he's, he speaks with a lot of passion for these French players he, he clearly cares doesn't he he does and even in I'm not sure if you noticed in the first sort of 30 seconds of him being on he was talking about his adversaire <laughs> so he's He's, he's becoming Frencher and Frencher all the time. Um, and that's only going to go one way. You know, the, the relationships he's built up with Roman and Antoine and these guys from playing and now nurturing the next generation of French talent. He's only, I like, he'll have his French passport before he knows it. Absolutely. He's becoming more and more French and he loves it. He loves it here. We talked about France's fast start with Jerome, which has become a, a theme under Fabien Galtier, really. They always seem to start well, be ahead at half time. But that third quarter... Benji, how nervous were you around that 60-minute mark? And then the break that we spoke about, Roman Entermax break. Has there ever been a bigger or more sort of obvious turning point in the game than that? Because that happened and then the game just seemed to flip back, the momentum in France's favour. Well, there's a couple of turning points, but the, the number one thing to say is that, the, like I said to you last week, the All Blacks are not a team you can win by one point. Although, in your sure, detailed sure, sure, prediction... Sure, 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 fine. <laughs> let's let's not get into the details. <laughs> I also said there was 99% chance that Jelly Bear and Entermac were going to play together. Right? <laughs> but um, it's, it's the, the, the reality is that you, you cannot let them be within reach of winning. Otherwise, you're dead meat. Yeah. And, and look, at halftime, they were cooked, right? 
They still have a line out that they cock up in the half uh, on the blind side, that little interplay with, uh, I can't remember who drops it. I think it's Ali Savea or something. No, it's Dan Coles. Dan Coles steps somebody and then they, they rip the ball again. A meter away from the line, six meters, six minutes before halftime, that would have been the game changer again. At halftime, you rock up, you're completely in the lead. You, you, you're about to pull them apart and then it score two tries consecutively in 10 minutes. Oh shit, they're back. You don't know what happens. Yes, I think there was a clear mistake by the touch judge, um, I was saying Luke Pierce, not to have a look at that 50-22 when it for me personally bounces on 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 the ball on the on the line. So it would have been straight out kick, but obviously he was he was standing in a better position than, than I was. So so we'll we'll trust him. And then they score, you know, so it's you could see that the momentum was changing, but I think when you've got so much respect and you know how good these guys can be, at the end of a very long season, they were a little bit in that fright mode of saying, we're actually losing this, the, the ABs, so let's go full tilt, empty the tank, we'll see what happens. That was the mode. But there was Romain Tamak pivoting in the half, uh, in, in, in his end zone. There's the intercept try by Damien Penault, but there's also the constant mindset of saying, and there's obviously defending that line out uh, just before halftime, but there's the constant mindset of saying, whether it's five points, 10 points, 15 points, you cannot stop playing against these guys. If you start trying to control the game, you're doomed. If you try to say that we'll go from penalty to penalty, you're doomed. If, if you try to say that you, we, you can just keep them for three points away, you are doomed. So I think that it was very cleverly done. I think the impact of the bench was very good. Massive. Publicly, Dylan Cretin steals a beautiful ball in the ruck for the, in the last minute. Um, uh, Thibaut, Thibaut Flamand did really well. The one important scrum five meters out, Five meters out, Jean-Baptiste Gros, uh, who, what's his name, Gaetan Barlow, and Dabamba, Demba Bemba. Demba Bemba did really well, picked his good, good picking goes around the rock and stuff. That strategy of playing 6-2 really, were, really, really, really paid off. So, um, so some, some strong calls, some, some, some strong performances, but just not one, 15 key moments in that game. The, obviously, the shiniest and the most beautiful one was by a mile, uh, Romain Tamak, but it's, uh, it's just a symbol. And we did chat last week and you two were convinced that the Entermax Jalibert partnership oh. was here to stay. I'm sure most people we thought the same. <laughs> I'm sure most people thought the same. But was it a masterstroke to bring Jonathan Dante in? Because I suppose as a coach, Fabian Galtier, had he looked at their combination and thought, do you know what, for this game, whether he goes back to it or not, Jonathan Dante is the man. I, th- I think it's a, to be totally honest whether it's Fabian Galtier or his whole staff let's not forget he, he doesn't take all the decisions on his own for me it was a master master play it really was a clever thing to do forget about the press forget about the pressure forget about what's been done before focus on who you got uh, in front of you and deal with it and I I, I almost as a joke the conditioner um, with Thibaut Giro is Nicolas Jean-Jean you know, he's at 20 caps for France and I play with him in Stas. And I was saying, did they have a fallout or something? Did Jalibert, you know, crack a bad joke? He's like, mate, all they looked at is the fact that they played too much behind the defense against Argentina and even against Georgia, way too much behind the defense. Against New Zealand, you need to play in the defense, in front of the defense, and you need a big guy. And Jonathan Danti, there's one thing he brings, he's, he's one big guy. <laughs> he's a dump truck. He is, he is one big guy and he had a proper game too. Oof. He was he he was a handful. So no no a, a, a very very clever power move to do so a power move to keep uh, Voki there because he needed his agility and his capacity to do it a power move to trust well, even though Julien Marchand was injured but then they seemed to put a really good space Pierre Movaka because in terms of attitude he was spot on Winnie Antonio I thought they had a good game and in the moments where he was needed and he's made his 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 presence felt they've taken some good decisions and it's paying off. Peter Movaka, the first Frenchman to score a double against 
the All Blacks since. Serge Blanca? Not me. In 1989. Insane. No, the complete, I agree. Complete masterstroke to bring him back in. But when you look at the performance globally, you could have had Jonathan Dante, you could have had Fe- like anybody. They played so well together in pretty much every single facet of the game. It didn't matter. They were that good. And I, I'm not sure we'll see it again for a very, very long time. A team dominating the All Blacks like that. So again, goes right back to what we said at the start. Special to be there. Absolutely incredible performance for France. And again, I'm not sure we'll see it again. It was that good. It was that good from A to Z. The defence, the blitz, the pressure, the way they dismantled the ABs. Um, utterly ridiculous. It was amazing. And you mentioned earlier on, Benji, it wasn't a World Cup, a knockout game. But where does it rank in terms of the list of the top France performances that, that you've seen in your lifetime? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I haven't really asked myself, where do I rank in compared to others? It's completely different. It doesn't feel as good as the 99 semifinal in Tukinim. No. Um, but but it's definitely top 10, top 5, top... I don't know. I still remember, actually, it was a very fond moment that when they beat... They they took on the NZ in Marseille, I think it's 0-2 or something like that, when they beat them last time in France. Because I think that's the game where there was six guys from Stade Francais starting in the pack. Uh, and I was I was uh, playing in the academy at Stade Francais at the time, so I was looking at them very very um, with a lot of of well, you know attention, um, and and that was special. But it's it's a special thing to beat an international team. It's a special thing to win three games in uh, in a packed house in Stade de France, and it's a whole different dimension to beat the ABs. So this is this puts them in in a real in the real first division of the international rugby. And it puts them in a special heart for any French rubber lover in history. Um, so irrelevantly of where does it sit compared to other games that I felt, it was just a, a, a hot air balloon of happiness. And I thank them for it. Right. It's about time we did our meter moment of the week, isn't it? I can't possibly guess where it might be going this week, but Benji, Easy. do you want to take it away? <laughs> So it's in a bar called the Buddha Bar when I got this massive <laughs> candle and I sang happy birthday to Johnny BT. Serenade. It was, it was precious. It was lovely. It, it was precious. Mate, of course, I mean... And listen, you were naked. It was... It can't be anything else than Romain Tamak having the courage to, to pivot, picking up that ball after a, a, a try. I think if I don't get, if I'm not wrong, that would have put uh, the All Blacks back in the lead at that time. And he pivots and he steps out and <laughs> he does a blind pass for Melvin Jamine 40 meters after. No look, you know, oh, he p- p- put it back to it. So it's not, forget about in the end zone when he just hands off. I can't remember who was there, Jordy Barrett chasing him or something. I can't, it's not when he steps on the gas and go over or goes over one guy and in the 22 is when he does the look pass and i'm thinking wow okay so that's that's obviously definitely the the meter moment the hottest moment of the weekend by a flipping mile do you disagree johnny no absolutely <laughs> not mate it was phenomenal uh the no look pass the gas the french flair that everyone loves absolutely no arguments from me at all 100 that was Benji and Johnny's Meter Moment of the Week. And Meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer. And they've made over 9 million cooks better with their revolutionary app as well. So it's no surprise their users are growing rapidly every day. If you've ever said your pork or turkey's dry, then Meter's for you. And you can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan. Enter a whole new world of cooking and join the Metaverse at meter.com. 
Just use the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout for 10% off any full price item as well. It wasn't just a good weekend for France though, was it? It was the first time ever that all the Six Nations countries have beaten Southern Hemisphere opposition on the same weekend. So has there been a bit of a shift or is it just end of the season for the teams from the South? Is that the first time ever? Is it really? First time ever that all of the Six Nations teams have done it. And you looked that stat up on oh my word, Tim. You got to buy yourself You got to buy yourself <laughs> a Sunday night. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I think every game needs to be needs to be looked at. Obviously, um, the, the England-South Africa one could have gone either way any second. It was a really, really tight margin one. But it just proves that that it's there's no... I don't think there's a shift, but Northern Hemisphere is back. But it was just some quality rugby. I think everybody loved the weekend. The, the lineups are extraordinary. Uh, and no disrespect to a, any team at any time. The Auto Nations Cup last year wasn't the same. Now seeing, you know, South Africa, England, Wales, Australia, Argentina, was it Ireland and France, New Zealand, and then all the other games in one weekend. Yes, boy. That's what we want to see. That's what everybody wants to see. And that, and that is priceless. So, you know, when they talk about changing the, you know, World Cup of clubs, uh, changing X, Y, and Z, just get us that. That's what everybody wants to see. Um, and, and, and I hope that will last for a long, long time. And importantly, with that product that is awesome to watch, the margins closed, right? So if we were watching rugby 10 years ago, South Africa would be sticking 50 points on Scotland, 60 points on Ireland. Now every game's a contest. They're all tight. You've got exceptional talent. Everyone's well-organized, well-coached, and they're interesting games to watch. That's the difference for me is that every single game that weekend, obviously my match point predictor was completely wrong because I had to go rogue and call things completely the wrong way, but they all could have gone either way. Again, the difference in three, four, five points in all these games, interesting games to watch, high-quality rugby, and great fun for a spectator. And again, if you're back in the stadium, world-class to watch. Because it's what I do, Benji. Another stat I looked up, France are now favourites for the 2022 Six Nations. So The, the bookies' favourite? The bookies' favourites. Oh, so, yeah. A, how much are we looking forward to it? But B, as well, is that a, a mantle that's going to sit comfortably on their shoulders? Yeah, I think France, England, Ireland, always favourites for Six Nations, whether the bookies say it or not. Uh, Scotland, who played Japan? Apologies, I forgot them in the list. Um, obviously, a good a good side, and you, you just never know. I think France are going to go in Scotland and in Wales that, uh, that year, and it's with a big finish off for France, England, the last one. Ireland are seriously stepping it up are seriously also a, a big improvement of those November tests. They beat the, the All Blacks. They probably did a little bit of... We thought that they doomed us because they were going to piss them off. They probably broke their bodies just a little bit more. Also, you got to take that in consideration. And then they put 50 on Argentina. And Argentina, no no bums. So uh, they're going to be up there. You know that the Six Nations, you can predict whatever you want. It all depends a lot on who do you play where? Do you play them home and away? Who do you play when? What's the start? Is France England the first one? Is it the last one? Is it in the middle? You know, that all that has got an impact. And I will tell you the favorites, maybe not round four, because that'll be a little bit easy, but definitely <laughs> the end of round two, that's when you can know. And and round two is France Ireland. So you'll know by then, mate. But um, I, I don't think they'll even think twice about it. Thanks, Benji. Thanks, Johnny. And a big thanks to all of you guys for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can as well. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, guys. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Merci beaucoup. Cheers, boys. Bye.